1: Today we're going to discuss changes in how marketers can identify their customers. Joining us is Adam Robinson, who is the founder of Get Emails, which is the world's first ever email-based retargeting software. Get Emails identifies up to 35% of your anonymous traffic and then sends their contact records directly to your email marketing app so you can follow up with what were previously lost leads. Yesterday, Adam and I talked about how identity resolution is changing in the wake of the third party cookie potentially going away in the next two years. And today we're going to continue the conversation talking about e-commerce's false equivalency for CCPA and GDPR. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Adam Robinson, founder of Get Emails. Adam, welcome back to the MarTech podcast.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: Always a pleasure to have you on the show. We talked a little bit about what's happening in the identity resolution space and how marketers are faced with the need to collect more first-party data. That's where services like Get Emails comes in, resolving website visitor to an email address or or a hashed email address. There's also some questions about the legal ramifications and what's changing in the privacy sector, not just our technical ability to get access to data, but also what could get us in some legal hot water. Talk to me about what's happening with CCPA, GDPR. Seems like there's a lot of questions about what the rules actually are and what that means to industries like e-commerce and everyone else.
2: With our service, when someone figures out what we do and how we do it, they ask the same three questions every time. Is this legal? Yeah. Number one is, (laughs) is it legal? Number two is, well, how do you do that? Number three is, cool. So what do I send people? So there's this one issue that I think is very relevant to our service in particular that I've gotten to know very well that you see propagate itself among marketers in the e-commerce world. And it's this idea that Well, you're telling me that what you're doing is not GDPR compliant. Therefore, it can't be CCPA compliant either, because everyone's telling me that CCPA is the GDPR for America. And that's just not true. There's overlap. But in some of the key ways that make can spam in the US different from GDPR, CCPA is also different than GDPR in those key ways. And it happens to be relevant to what we do. And it's just worth knowing above all else. Some organizations take the position where they're like, well, we're going to be super conservative, we're just going to do GDPR worldwide, since it's the most conservative sort of privacy regulation. But I think the point of this episode is probably to talk about like what some of those key differences are.
1: Well, God knows every marketer that's listened to this podcast has already read the GDPR regulations and, of course, have read CCPA because you know we're based in California here. But for anybody who is new to the podcast and hasn't read the hundreds to thousands of pages of regulations, walk us through the Cliff Notes version of what those two pieces of regulations actually say.
2: So they're both about disclosure to the consumer of data that's being collected about them they're both about setting up infrastructure that allows the consumer to see that data, setting up infrastructure that allows the consumer to have that data deleted. And that's kind of above all else, the spirit of both of them. By the way, marketers, I'm sure, shaking their heads and the sort of ops people. The way that all of that was decided by the governments that it had to be achieved, it's just huge infrastructure pains in the assets, right? So everybody went through that with GDPR. And a lot of the stuff that you had to go through on that side of things, on the disclosure side of things, was the same for CCPA. Where there's a big difference is GDPR is actually a consent for first party data collection on the internet policy, meaning it's opt-in, period. In order for anyone to collect data on a European citizen, you must have a first party opt-in to collect it, to use it, whatever. That is simply not the case with CCPA and CPRA. And CPRA is just like the second sort of evolution of CCPA. CCPA is not an opt-in for data collection policy. It is an opt-out policy. The consumer has the option to opt out of you collecting their data, but it doesn't touch this issue of opt-in email marketing, does not touch this issue of opt-in to sort of have my data shared, it doesn't touch that stuff at all. So, you know, listening to what our service does, which we basically pass our customers plain text emails of people that visited their website, but didn't fill out a form. A very common reaction is, well, how is that legal? And then we explain that it's legal by canned spam standards, And then people say, well, it's definitely not CCPA compliant. Well, it actually is. If you make the appropriate privacy policy changes on your website, For most people, what they did to be compliant with GDPR suffices. And by the way, I'm not a lawyer, so this is not legal advice. But the biggest difference between the two and the biggest confusion I see people making is the assumption that since GDPR is opt-in and CCPA is the GDPR of the US, we have to do the same things that we did for GDPR that we may not have made the changes for for a US audience. We have to do the same things for our US part of our website. And it's just not true.
1: It's also confusing. And I think that, you know, most marketers are taking the most conservative path and saying, okay, GDPR, let's just roll out those rules worldwide to keep everyone happy. What's the risk taken on by being that conservative? And what should marketers be doing if they decide that they're going to follow the local laws, not just one sort of blanket rule guided by GDPR?
2: Well, I'm talking my own book here, but The disadvantage to somebody who's in growth mode and they're looking for highly positive ROI ways to grow their reach and and spend advertising dollars, you can't do things like we're doing at emails if you're GDPR compliant worldwide. Just you can't do it because it's not GDPR compliant. So you are closing the door on US-only aggressive marketing tactics that could really grow your business. I mean, that's the downside. And you're not taking on any legal risk by doing it if you understand the law. The upside of it is it's less administrative work. Like you just do everything once and you reduce the complexity of your compliance operation. So it's pretty clear risk and rewards in my opinion. It's just all about weighing those things. And like you said, it's very complicated stuff to try to understand, but kind of what your legal team's there for, you know, (laughs) to help you get comfortable around the risk you're taking.
1: There's a flip side here and you mentioned risk is that if you're not conservative and you use programs like Get Emails and you accidentally collect emails in a fashion that isn't GDPR compliant, do we know what the potential ramifications are there?
2: In 99.99999% of cases, just to sort of remove our product from the discussion, we don't capture European traffic when we don't have European citizens in our database. There's a very, very tail use case that like kind of the most anal people bring up and they say, well, what if there was a Spanish citizen who had a U.S. email address and was in the U.S. and they signed up for a U.S. lead gen form, but they were a Spanish citizen. It's like, okay, I guess in that scenario, you might have every once in a while an email address that's in our database, but all of our emails have a U.S. postal address tied to them. So we just assume that means they're U.S. citizens. However, I don't know exactly what the fines are for violating GDPR, but... They're stiff, they're big. They are not something that you want to do, which is why people are taking the legislation so seriously. I would also balance that by saying that if there's going to be cases that are pursued of GDPR compliance busting, I think just sort of like the IRS doesn't focus on little guys when they're like putting human capital towards trying to punish people or cheating their taxes. I think that the hallmark cases of GDPR violation will likely be larger organizations.
1: Someone that they can make an example of that's visible. you know,
2: case, right?
1: This seems very similar to me. I, I did an interview with Curtis Boyd from Objection Co, and his business is centered around finding people who use fake reviews. And it was something like the United States government filed, levied fines of tens of millions of dollars for companies that were guilty of creating fake reviews to promote their products and services. And he's got sort of a moral take on, you know, look, if a lawyer or a doctor can create fake reviews, that obviously is an issue. If it's an e-commerce product, maybe not so much of the case. You know, if it's somebody trying to get you to buy their lawn chairs and they're going to post some fake reviews to get boosted on Amazon, probably not the end of the world. But if it's a malpracticing doctor, that's a different story. What I'm saying is that it seems like there is a parallel here to how the government and governments are thinking about GDPR and CCPA and some of the privacy and regulations, is that you're going to see really, really big fines for a few people that are really bad actors to try to scare off everyone else from doing this. And in reality, finding everyone who is buying a fake review or breaking GDPR rules is really going to be difficult to enforce. And so then the question becomes, all right, Yes, you're taking on legal risk, but what are the chances of you being punished for it? Are you jaywalking across a two-lane road, or are you walking slowly across the freeway? Two very different
2: scenarios. For sure. And I think that that's a very articulate way of answering. When people ask me about this tail case, which I described, Of like, well, how do you know that getting those isn't capturing any European citizens? Like, It's definitely not capturing many... And the odds that the one person it does, does something that would sort of lead to that, and then the odds that you would be someone that would actually be affected by that process, is just getting exponentially de minimis as each step goes down that funnel, if you want to call it that. So yeah, I think we're in agreement on that whole enforceability or likelihood of it actually being punitive to you, especially I think if you're acting in good faith. Like you said, it's going to be horrible actors. It's going to be huge, horrible actors.
1: So you mentioned that the things people ask you are, one, is something like get emails legal. Sounds like, yes, technicalities surrounding it, some edge cases. Maybe you can get in a little trouble. How do you do it? We'll leave the technical implementation. Then there's the question of, well, what do you do with those email addresses? What do you write? Walk me through some of the ways that you can use emails because the user experience is different when you haven't expressly given consent or your information. How do you actually get people to respond when they haven't given you their email addresses?
2: Well, 90% of our customers are direct consumer e-commerce businesses. All of them who have a lot of success with our products are already excellent email marketers and have best practices for email marketing setup. So they're capturing emails on their website in the first contact when they capture them. It's typically a three to five part welcome series, heavily offer driven. You know, they have coupons in them. It's every day for five days. So there's a frequency thing happening there. And it's giving people a reason to click back to their website. And the actual program can vary, but usually it's thanks for signing up for our newsletter. And then there's a coupon in there. And then maybe the next one's a brand story or bestsellers or something. And the next one's some evergreen content or whatever. So the easy thing to do, and you can get as sophisticated as you want, but the easy thing that we tell everybody to do is just use the same welcome series that you're using for your opt-in subscribers. Just change the subject line to thanks for stopping by the site from thanks for signing up for the newsletter. And then a pro tip is if one of our contacts hasn't opened an email after three emails, just unsubscribe them because they're never gonna open. And that sort of eliminates some deliverability risk in the future. You know, you're always trying to create a virtuous deliverability cycle by keeping your open rates high and your click rates high. So that's just sort of an easy way to make sure that continues to happen.
1: Well, Adam, I think that Get Emails is an interesting product. I absolutely see the value of collecting emails, even if it's from anonymous traffic. It seems like something that has great potential business results And I said this last time, I think that your approach, you're the internet marketing cowboy and it's up to the individual marketer to decide how they feel about privacy and data collection and what risk tolerance they have to understand if products like GetEmail is the right fit for them. I appreciate you coming on the show. I always appreciate hearing your perspective. And thanks for walking us through some of the differences between GDPR
2: and CCPA. You're welcome. Happy to be here.
1: All right. And that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to Adam Robinson, the founder of Get Emails for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Adam, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile on our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Adam underscore L underscore Robinson, or you can visit his company's website, which is getemails.com.